You're listening to Kalam Institute's podcast series, Sira, Life of the Prophet, by Sheikh Abdul Nasir Jangda. Visit us on the web at kalaminstitute.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash kalaminstitute. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So inshallah we're going to be, uh, as was announced after the salah, we're going to be shifting the time up for the uh, sira class just because of the time change. It'll be a little too late to do it after Salat al-Isha uh, since, you know, it takes a little bit of time uh, here in the sira class. So we'll shift it over to after Maghrib. Uh, it might take a couple of weeks for folks to kind of get the hang of it, but inshallah we'll, we'll persist. Um... In talking about the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we've reached a point in the seerah where the Prophet of Allah ﷺ is close to about 51 years old. It's been a decade since he started preaching and teaching the message of Islam. It's been over a decade since the day that he received divine revelation in the cave of Hira, Iqra bismi rabbika ladhi khalaq. In that decade, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ has seen many, many different things. He's experienced many, many different things. Ranging from you know, the uh, initial lack of response from his own family members, to the embrace of this deen and this religion by those people that were nearest and dearest to him, like Khadija, Abu Bakr, Zayd ibn Haritha, Ali bin Abi Talib, radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with all of them. And then the Prophet of Allah saw a small community start to form together. But at the same time, he saw that the opposition began to rise against him as well. But the Prophet of Allah kept going until a small community was formed. But unfortunately, that small community was now being subjected to torture, to persecution. And so a group of Muslims actually left Mecca, migrated to East Africa, and established another community of Muslims there. Slowly but surely, the number in Mecca continued to grow and pick up. And even some people from outside of Mecca, individuals from outside of Mecca, like Abu Dhar al-Ghifari and Tufail of Dos, these individuals were traveling in from outside, having heard of the Prophet ﷺ and his message, and were embracing Islam, were accepting Islam. Around that same time, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ received some, uh, a boost from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you will. He received some divine mercy and divine help in the form of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, who would later on go on to become the great defender of Islam and the faith. And at the same time, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ was provided much comfort and coolness. And, and peace and tranquility through the acceptance of Islam of his uncle, Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, radiallahu anhu. And so the Prophet ﷺ had seen many different ups and downs in this manner, in this fashion. Along the way, the Prophet of Allah's message continued to grow. Till it eventually got to the point where they were they isolated themselves and they were completely outcast by the people of Mecca and they spent three years in isolation of boycott from the general public and population of the city of Mecca. After which when that ended and there was a certain amount of public sympathy towards the plight of the Muslims, 
that they were then invited and integrated back into the society in Mecca. And so the Prophet ﷺ had witnessed many, many different ups and downs in this manner, in this fashion. But in the 11th year of prophethood, the Prophet of Allah ﷺ would begin a period, a phase of his life, a period of his prophethood that would be very, very difficult. And it was a huge shift in turn. It was the beginning of a huge shift in the overall prophethood, the message, and the life of the Prophet ﷺ in general. And this would be the beginning of the major turn of events that would lead to the establishment of the Ummah. And all of this began with one of the greatest personal tragedies of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and that was the death the passing of his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. May Allah be pleased with her. Before we actually talk about the passing of Khadija bint Khuwaylid, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, we should get to know a little bit about her. We talked about her actually in a lot of detail previously. In the narrations where we talked about, if those who maybe weren't able to attend the sessions or don't recall, if you go back and uh, check the podcast, you look at the recordings, you'll see um, a recording about the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Khadija radiallahu anha. And in those parts of the seerah that we covered, we learned and we discussed quite a bit about who Khadija radiallahu anha was. Where she was from, who she was, what her background was that she was a businesswoman and how the Prophet ﷺ first came to know her and what was her reputation and what did the Prophet ﷺ experience in doing business and dealing with her. So we discussed quite a bit about her. To summarize, she was someone who was of very noble lineage. Um, she came from a very respectful and reputable family in Mecca. She herself had a great reputation for being somebody who was very dignified, very noble, very educated, very respected. And she was someone who had been widowed and she was very wealthy. And she was someone of such confidence and intelligence that she used to run her own business. And she would hire people and have partnerships with with folks who could actually go take her money, go and buy goods and bring it back and sell it for her and they would split the profits. And that's how the Prophet ﷺ first came to interact with her. And so she was someone who was known for her honesty, her intelligence, and her manners and etiquette and character and quality. That was her reputation. We then later on, again, you'll find a previous recording of the seerah where we talked about the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Khadija radiallahu anha. And what the process of that marriage was. That the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi she herself, you know, one of the things I, ma- I mentioned in that narration, in, in that session, was that, you know, we, we, the, the young folks, they have a saying, game recognize game. You know, people of high car- caliber and high quality can identify with other people of high caliber and high character and high quality. That's just a natural thing. And so Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha was able to see and notice 
and observe. And of course, everybody in Mecca called the Prophet ﷺ sadiq al-amin. But she was able to see something more than that. She was able to see something more than that. That the, the depth of the Prophet ﷺ, in terms of his intelligence and his spirituality, that was something that she was able to see. And that was one of the reasons that she was interested in marrying the Prophet ﷺ. And similarly, the Prophet ﷺ was able to see within her the same qualities, the depth of understanding of what you know is going on in society. A deeply spiritual person. And he was also able to recognize that, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ was interested in marrying Khadija radiallahu anha as well. And that in and of itself speaks to the virtue and the character of Khadija. Later on, again in a previous recording, you'll find this, when Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha accepted Islam, she was the first person to accept Islam. When the Prophet ﷺ received divine revelation and he came down from the cave of Hira and he was shaking and trembling, it was Khadija radiallahu anha who held the hand of the Prophet ﷺ and told him not to worry about anything. And when the Prophet ﷺ posed a question to her, and, and in fact, when, she, when, she, when he asked her why he should not worry about anything, she, look at, the, look at the understanding and the foresight that she has. That she says, because you are so beneficial to people. Your character is so high. You are such a high caliber of a human being. And so beneficial to everyone and anyone. That it's impossible that you would be abandoned by your Lord. You are destined for great things. You have a great purpose and a great mission. And then when the Prophet ﷺ posed a question to her, well, who will accept this message? Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, is the one who answered the Prophet's question by saying, you wonder about someone accepting this religion? Well, I'll accept this religion. Ashhadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu annaka rasulullah. Khadija radiyallahu anha was the first person to accept Islam. She was the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. She was a mother of his children. She was the first one in this ummah to perform salah. Because when the Prophet ﷺ, we know that the five times daily prayer came at the time of al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, and we'll be talking about that in a few sessions. But even before that, salah was something that was given to the Prophet ﷺ from the very first day. To just pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whenever he needed to. And he was taught to pray by none other than Jibreel alayhi salam. And Khadija radiallahu anha, when she accepted Islam, the Prophet ﷺ took her by her hand, taught her to make wudu. Just like he had been taught to make wudu. And then he taught her to pray. Just like he had been taught to pray. And Khadija radiallahu anha used to pray by the side of the Prophet She used to pray with the Prophet And so all of this speaks to the quality, the caliber, the status of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Along with that, there are some other narrations that I'd like to share here. So we have a full appreciation of who we're talking about. There's a narration that's mentioned by Imam Bukhari rahimahullahu ta'ala. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates from the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that the Prophet sallallahu is telling Abu Huraira of this entire situation. He says, Ata Jibreel an-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wasallam faqal, Ya Rasulallah, 
that Jibreel alayhi salam came to the Prophet sallallahu and he said, O oh Messenger of Allah, هَذِهِ خَدِيجَةً قَدْ أَتَتْ مَعَهَا إِنَاءٌ فِيهِ إِدَامٌ أَوْ طَعَامٌ أَوْ شَرَابٌ That this is Khadija, that basically it's a way of saying that Khadija, you're Khadija, she's going to be coming right now, and with her she will have a container that will have some food in it. That she had gone to get some food, prepare some food. She's about to be coming back to you, coming back home, to arrange for the meal for the family, and she's going to have some food with her. فَإِذَا هِيَ أَتَتْكَ When she comes home, when she arrives home with the food, فَقْرَى عَلَيْهَا السَّلَامِ مِنْ رَبِّهَا وَمِنِّي Then please, O Messenger of Allah, deliver salam to Khadija on behalf of her Lord and on behalf of me, Jibreel. That this is from the virtues of Khadija radiallahu anha. Jibreel alayhi salam comes to the Prophet sallallahu not only delivering his own personal salams to Khadija radiallahu anha through the Prophet sallallahu but also says Allah has sent me to deliver Allah's salam to Khadija radiallahu anha. That is the virtue of Khadija. وَبَشِّرْهَا بِبَيْتٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ مِنْ قَصَبٍ And please congratulate her. That she will receive a home, a house, a palace in paradise that will be hollowed out pearl. A singular pearl, a humongous gigantic pearl will be hollowed out. A home will be carved out of that pearl, inside of that pearl, and she will be granted this as a palace in paradise, symbolizing her status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La sakhaba fiha wa la nasab. There will be no noise, nor will there be any type of difficulty or adversity in that home for her in paradise. And this hadith is also narrated in the Sahih of Imam Muslim. There are many, many other narrations like this in which it's mentioned the same thing that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam congratulated Khadija radiallahu anha in this dunya, in this life, in this world that she would be honored by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in paradise that she would be granted a special palace a special home in paradise that would be unlike anyone else's and this was again to, to teach us about the status of Khadija radiallahu anha one of the narrations it mentions, لِأَنَّهَا لَمْ تَرْفَعَ صَوْتَهَا عَلَى نَبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَلَمْ تُتْعِبْهُ يَوْمًا مِنَ الدَّهْرِ وَلَا تَسْخَبَ عَلَيْهِ يَوْمًا وَلَا آذَتُ أَبَدًا That it mentions about Khadija radiallahu anha, that what was her quality as a wife? What kind of a wife was Khadija radiallahu anha? That Khadija radiallahu anha never raised her voice in the home upon the Prophet ﷺ. She never bothered the Prophet ﷺ. She never, you know, troubled the Prophet ﷺ for anything. And this is especially relevant about the, net, the first 10 years of prophethood. Because we have to understand the, stash, the, the, the status and the station of Nubuwa prophethood. What it required from the Prophet ﷺ. It was a full-time job. It was more than a full-time job. It was the purpose and the mission of his life. He had to spend all of his time, all of his wealth, all of his resources, all of his energy in the preaching and teaching of Islam. 
But Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, rather than be, resent, you know, the Prophet sallallahu or Islam, or anything of that nature, Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha aided the mission of the Prophet sallallahu She never bothered him, never troubled him. She had to make sacrifices along the way. The Prophet ﷺ was sacrificing more than anyone else, but she was sacrificing by his side. Their children were having to sacrifice as well. But Khadija radiallahu anha did nothing but help the Prophet of Allah ﷺ. There are narrations which talk about, and, and I'm kind of moving forward here, but I'd like to establish this because it gives us an idea of what Khadija radiallahu anha meant to the Prophet ﷺ. There are narrations about how the Prophet ﷺ used to speak about Khadija radiallahu anha years after she had passed away. Because it shows us how, how strong, how strongly he felt about her. How deeply in love he was with her. And how deeply the Prophet ﷺ cared for her and how much she cared for the Prophet ﷺ, That he actually missed her. We have to understand the relationship that Allah, that the Prophet of Allah had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was something that was so profound. That, is, that, that was deeper than we could ever realize. But in spite of that, think about the love of Khadija that the Prophet had for her and the love that she had for the Prophet and how deeply she cared for the Prophet and how supportive she was that the Prophet missed her. He received divine revelation. He spoke directly to Allah. He spoke directly to Allah. He received divine revelation from Allah. But in spite of all of that, the Prophet missed Khadija radiallahu anha. There's a narration that about three and a half, four years after about four years after Khadija radiallahu anha passed away, at the time of the Battle of Badr, and we'll talk about this in more detail when we get to the Battle of Badr, but I'm gonna summarize the Prophet of Allah saw a necklace that used to belong to Khadija radiallahu anha. He, a necklace was sent by his daughter Zainab that used to belong to her mother, that was passed down to her from her mother Khadija. When the Prophet saw that necklace, he became so overwhelmed. He became so overwhelmed with emotion that the Prophet ﷺ actually had tears streaming down his face. And when the Sahaba anhum became very, you know, uh, concerned, they asked the Prophet ﷺ if everything was okay, everything was alright. The Prophet of Allah ﷺ actually told them, that yes, everything is fine, it's just that this necklace used to belong to my beloved wife Khadija. And seeing it reminds me of her. Seeing it reminds me of her. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates. She says, مَا غِرْتُ عَلَىٰ إِمْرَأَةٍ لِلنَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَمَ مَا غِرْتُ عَلَىٰ خَدِيجَةٍ I never envied anyone. I never envied anyone in a good way, meaning I, I never really felt competition with anyone. When it came to the love of the Prophet ﷺ, like I felt, about Khadija radiallahu anha. She says, وَهَلَكَتْ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَتَزَوَّجْنِي She passed away before the Prophet ﷺ married me. But she says, لِمَا كُنْتُ أَسْمَعُهُ يَذْكُرُهَا وَأَمْرَهُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُبَشِّرَهَا بِبَيْتٍ مِنْ قَصَبٍ That the, how the Prophet ﷺ used to remember her, how he used to talk about her, I used to hear him describe her. And he used to tell us that he had, Allah had directly commanded the Prophet ﷺ to congratulate Khadija that she would receive a palace in paradise. 
And then she says, وَإِن كَانَ لَيَذْبَحَشَّاتْ فَيَهْدِي فِي خَلَائِلِهَا مِنْهَا مَا يَسَعُهُنْ That when the Prophet ﷺ would slaughter an animal, like he would slaughter, like he would basically cut, he would slaughter a goat or a sheep or a lamb for food, for home, that he would always take some of that, some of the meat. And in fact, one of the other narration says that, ثُمَّ يُقَطِّعُهَا أَعْضَاءً that he would basically cut off like the leg, like a good portion of the animal, like a leg of the animal. And then he used to send that to the friends of Khadija. He would send them gifts. He would send them food. And she even says, فَرُبَمَا قُلْتُ لَهُ I used to say, كَأَنَّهُ لَمْ يَكُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا إِمْرَأَةٌ إِلَّا Khadija. She says one time, I asked him, who do you send this to? And he said, these are the friends of Khadija. I send them gifts, I remember them. To honor the memory of Khadija. And then Aisha radiallahu anha says to the Prophet Khadija. Sometimes you act like there's no other woman in the world but Khadija. She's already passed away. You sometimes act like there's no other woman alive in the world but Khadija. And the Prophet said, Innaha kanat wa kanat. She was and she just was. Which is like the Arabic expression for saying, where do I even begin to tell you how amazing Khadija was? I don't have the words to describe to you who Khadija was. You can't even begin to understand how unbelievable she was. And then he used to say, وَكَانَ لِي مِنْهَا وَلَدٌ And she was the mother of my children. She was an unbelievable wife. She was the love of my life. I don't even know where I can begin to describe her to you. And she's the mother of my children. So this is how the Prophet ﷺ used to remember Khadija radiallahu anha. This is how strongly he felt about her. It also mentions that Aisha radiallahu anha mentions that Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha had a sister. Her name was Hala. Hala bint Khuwaylid. And she was a Muslim. She had accepted Islam. She had migrated to Medina. And she used to come to visit the Prophet ﷺ sometimes. فَعَرَفَ إِسْتِئْذَانَ Khadija فَرْتَاعَ فَقَالَ اللَّهُمَّ هَالَ That when she used to come to visit the Prophet ﷺ sometimes, the way that she would knock on the door, the way that she would knock on the door, Aisha radiallahu anha says that it reminded the Prophet ﷺ of the way Khadija radiallahu anha used to knock at the door. The way that she would ask permission to come in, was similar to the way Khadija radiallahu anha would ask permission to come in. They were sisters, they grew up in the same home. So you know you have similar habits, you grow up like whatever your parents taught you. There's a certain culture in the home. So they had very similar habits is what she's trying to say. That the sister of Khadija, Hala, had very similar habits to her sister Khadija. So when she used to come to visit, when she would just knock on the door and ask for permission to come in, the Prophet ﷺ used to recognize it. He would say, Allahumma Hala. Allahumma hala. He would say, oh Allah, please let it be hala, the sister of Khadija. Because she was so similar to Khadija radiallahu anha, in her mannerisms, in the way she spoke, the way she talked, that the Prophet ﷺ used to enjoy her visits, because he used to remind her of Khadija. And one narration even says that when she would visit, they would sit together and they would remember Khadija. They would talk about Khadija. And they used to remember and reminisce about how amazing Khadija radiallahu anha was. 
And there are many, many other narrations uh, of, this, of this type, which describe to us, explain to us, detail to us, how strongly the Prophet ﷺ felt about Khadija radiallahu anha. So what do we know about her before we talk about, before we go forward? We know that she was a very amazing, intelligent, educated, honorable, dignified woman, even before her marriage to the Prophet ﷺ. We know that her and the Prophet ﷺ were, were individuals who recognized one another, were attracted to each other, fell in love with each other because of the high quality of their character, the caliber of their, of their, of their conduct. We know that Khadija and the Prophet ﷺ were deeply in love with one another. The, the Prophet ﷺ Khadija had six children together. Six children. They had a home that they built together. I talked about this in the earlier narrations of the seerah, that when you actually read the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, you see something. That even before Nubu and prophethood, we have a record of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. We covered here in dozen, you know, uh, in hours upon hours upon hours. In the durus here, in the le lessons on the seerah. But there's something very interesting. You see major events in his life. When he's 16, when he's 17, when he's 18, when he's 20, 22, 23, 24, 25. And at the age of 25, he marries Khadija radiallahu anha. The next major incident, event in the life of the Prophet like at a public level, like civic engagement, is at the time when the Prophet is 35 years old. In between that time, we don't have like anything about the a lot about the Prophet ﷺ being like you know some some major political events or something else going on, and there's something very profound in that that the Prophet ﷺ was building a home. He was doing something very profound, but it's just something that's private. He wasn't involved politically or doing something else. Of course, the Prophet ﷺ was always somebody who contributed to his community and society, and his reputation preceded him. But the primary activity of the Prophet ﷺ was in building a home and in building a family. And that home and that family that he built, he built hand in hand with his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu anha. Khadija radiallahu anha was someone who recognized the truth as soon as it came to the Prophet ﷺ. And she accepted Islam before anyone else. She was someone that the Prophet ﷺ had, a, had, had great respect for. Great admiration for. She was someone whose piety and whose righteousness was validated and acknowledged by Allah Himself. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends Jibreel to go and give his salams to Khadija radiallahu anha and congratulate her about the palace and paradise that has already been prepared for her. So Khadija radiallahu anha was the love of the life of the Prophet. She was his wife. She was the first believer. She was the mother of his children. And the Prophet ﷺ had gone through so many ups and downs. So many difficult times. In the first 10 to 11 years of preaching and teaching the message of Islam. And Khadija anha had been there standing by the side of the Prophet ﷺ, holding his hand throughout the entire ordeal. Never left his side. And then finally the Prophet of Allah 
at the age of 51, having gone through so much difficulty, some of his children, like Fatima radiallahu anha, was still very young. She was a little girl. That the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi suffered the passing and the death of his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu anha. May Allah be pleased with her. And we have to understand, this is something I talk about a lot, that a, a big problem that we have today is whenever we talk about the life of the Prophet ﷺ, and that's what the objective in these, here in this sirah class is. That a lot of times when we study the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we just pass right by. We just read these as random facts, like factoids on a Wikipedia page. We just read right through it. In the 11th year of prophethood, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, Khadija anha, passed away next. But it's very important for us to understand what that means, what that is. Imagine someone's wife passing away. The Prophet ﷺ had been married to Khadija anha for more than 25 years. 25 years. Somebody listening to this might not even be 25 years old. That they had been married longer than some, a lot of people have been alive. It's something to think about. If somebody's been married for 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 12, 15 years, how do they feel about their marriage? Like they feel like they can't imagine life without that other person. Your life becomes one. You rely on one another without even realizing it. You look to one another without ever thinking about it. You know the other person. They know you. It's like you fit perfectly. But imagine 25 years of marriage. And then to lose that person. How difficult and how tragic that must have been for the Prophet ﷺ. It's very important for us to understand and appreciate this. Because what's going to come further in the seerah will build upon this fact. Uh, a dear friend of mine, last year his mother passed away. His parents are very old, they're very elderly, they're very senior. His mother passed away and I think he told me his parents have been married for like 40 years. And his mother passed away. He told me that he's very concerned about his father. Because he said that from the day that she passed away, he changed. He doesn't seem the same. Like he looks lost. Like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to, how to just, what he's supposed to do with himself. How he's supposed to live life. That their lives were so intertwined and so interconnected, it was like losing a part of yourself. You know, a lot of times when we, when we think, you know, about, uh, Islamically, like we think about spirituality, we think that it just somehow, you know, divorces us from a human reality from our emotional capacity. Oh, you have your relationship with Allah. Like if you miss somebody, or you're sad when somebody passes away, that's a problem with your iman. That's ridiculous, it's preposterous. The Prophet of Allah وسلم, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ Allah told him to say, look, I am a human being. يُحَا إِلَيَّ Yes, I received divine revelation. There's something special about the Prophet وسلم, but it still affirms the fact that I am a human being. He had these relationships. 
The Prophet of Allah وسلم, think about how he must have felt about Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, that the Prophet وسلم, used to speak about her virtues and, and her qualities. And this was something that was told to the Prophet وسلم, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help console and comfort the Prophet. The Prophet of Allah وسلم, in one narration he says, Khairu nisa'iha Maryam bintu Imran. وَخَيْرُ نِسَائِهَا خَدِيجَ بِنْتُ خُوَيْلِدْ That the Prophet of Allah said, the best women of the entire world, the best women of all time, the best of the women of the world is Maryam, the mother of Isa. And then he said, the best of the women of the world are, is Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. In another narration, the Prophet said, كَمُلَ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ كَثِيرٌ Many men were given a very high station and status because of nubuwa and prophethood being amongst men. But he says when it came to women, there were three women who had a very special status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That were given superiority. And who were they? Maryam bintu Imran. Maryam the mother of Isa alayhi salam. Wa Asiya imra'atu Fir'aun. Asiya the wife of Fir'aun. And Khadija bintu Khuwaylid. And Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. So she was, the Prophet spoke of her virtue. And this was something that was given to the Prophet ﷺ by Allah. He was informed of this by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To help console and comfort the Prophet ﷺ. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of Khadija radiallahu anha. So imagine the pain of the Prophet ﷺ. She was his wife of 25 years. The mother of his children. The first believer. His strongest supporter. And he lost her at such a critical time. When dealing with difficulty upon difficulty upon difficulty, the, 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 the situation in Makkah has become more tense and more problematic and more difficult than it has ever been before. And at that crucial critical time to lose someone as beloved and as dear to him as Khadija radiallahu anha. Imagine the pain of the Prophet You know when the... You know, this is something, losing someone's wife, somebody losing their wife and the mother of their children. It's something that someone would only truly be able to appreciate the pain of if somebody's been through that. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all from the loss of loved ones. But sometimes you meet someone who's been through such a difficulty and you can get a little bit of an idea from them. About how tragic that truly is. How difficult it really is. I oftentimes share this story. I was talking about this. Uh, I was visiting a community doing a program. And I, I was talking about this experience of the Prophet ﷺ. The loss of his beloved wife Khadija. Radiallahu anha. A brother came up to me afterwards and he said, You know, what you mentioned today, it really personally, you know, I can relate to it. I said, subhanAllah, that's, I mean, that's a very, you know, it's a, it's a powerful experience. It's, very, it's a very tragic loss. Like how do you personally relate to something so difficult? And he told me that, you know, about a year ago, my wife passed away. And he started to tell me his story. He said, you know, I had been going to school and working part-time and trying to make my way through school so I could get a good job. Actually, he told me he was a doctor and he was going through medical school and his residency. And he said, you know, they'd been, they'd been toughing it out, him and his wife. They had two little kids. Been trying to make it through. 
And he said finally he was near the end of his medical residency and he was getting offers now. Very lucrative offers. So he said it was a, it was a wonderful time for them as a family. It was some, a moment that they had been working towards, building towards. They had been waiting for this day. This was the plan. It was coming together. And the, the, he had the offers and very lucrative offers. And so he said they started going and looking at nice houses and nice neighborhoods, nice schools for their children. They started going and looking at nice cars and minivans and, you know, basically just trying to put the pieces together. And he told me, he said one day he came home a little early from the hospital and said salam. And he said, you know, I grew up in a very practicing religious home. We prayed five times a day. Same thing in our home with my wife and my kids. We prayed five times a day, you know, regular, religious, practicing. He said, I came home, said salam, nobody responded. So I figured, you know, it was time for a nap for the kids. So I said, let them sleep. So I sat down, ate some food, just kind of did some work, caught up with some work. And then after a while, I heard the kids waking up and crying. So I went to go check on them, excited. I thought everyone's awake. So I went to go check on them and I went in the room and the kids were awake sitting on the bed next to my wife, but she was sitting there, lying there, motionless, not responding to the kids crying. So I went to go wake her up and check on her and I checked her being a doctor and he said she had, been, she had already passed away. And he said at that moment my life fell apart. He said after the janazah and the burial, he said I locked myself in my room for two weeks. I sat in the dark. I didn't eat, I barely ate, I barely slept. I didn't even sit with my kids, pick up my kids. I was just devastated, my life was destroyed. I didn't know what to do with myself. And he said, it's been a year and I'm still recovering. He said, it's been a year, today was the first time that I prayed after a year. Performed salah. Like even my iman, my spirituality had been like, just I didn't know what I believed in. It was so tragic, it was so traumatic. And he said, finally my brother, he dragged me to the masjid and he said, you need to pray. He said he took care of my kids, he cared for me, he wasn't just preaching to me, he was there for me, holding my hand, taking care of my kids. So I respect him and he said, come with me, you have to pray. And I came to the masjid and you were talking about this and it's something that I was able to relate to. And he said when I prayed it felt like, you know, I rediscovered my iman because now I was able to relate to the Prophet ﷺ. But what that man didn't realize, when I was sitting there listening to the story, looking in that man's eyes, that was the first time at some level, I really understood the pain of the Prophet ﷺ. I still remember a couple of years after this incident, I was talking about again the same experience of the Prophet ﷺ in another city. And a brother came up to me afterwards and he said, you know what you talked about? That happened to me five years ago. He said, I came home. I have two boys. They were 10 and 12 years old. I came home, I looked at them, they were playing, you know, video games, doing what boys do. I went into my bedroom looking for my wife to say salam to her and I found her passed out on the ground. I went and I checked her and she had passed away. Just like that. He said, my wife passed away, the mother of my children. My boys lost their mother on that day. And he said, it's been five years. Five years, my boys are grown up now. They're 15, 17 years old, they're becoming young men. 
And he goes, five years later, we still feel like we're recovering from losing the most important person in our lives. The glue that held our home together. That's how tragic it is. Imagine the pain of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, And try to appreciate for a moment what the Prophet went through. Try to understand the pain of Rasulullah The sacrifices of the Prophet And this is not just simply it. Next week inshallah, what we'll talk about is something that if already, if you cannot feel or understand or realize the sacrifices and the pain of the Prophet then next week will be something that will really shock you or really have an impact on you. Because the narration says, there are, there are multiple narrations the narration that I chose to basically base my uh, you know, account of the seerah on is a narration by uh, Imam Al-Waqidi and Allama Bayhaqi, their recounting of the seerah in which they mentioned that Khadija radiallahu anha passed away. And some of the narrations say a month. Some mention three months, but there are some narrations which mention 35 days. After Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha passed away, the Prophet ﷺ suffered another great personal tragedy. The death and the passing of his beloved uncle Abu Talib. And we'll inshallah talk about that and we'll cover that in the next session. But I want us to go home with one thought and one realization. Number one, understand the sacrifices made by Rasulullah Take a moment to just think about that. Especially those of us who have families, who are married, who have children. We don't wish ill. We don't we don't we, we hope the best from Allah. We ask the best from Allah. We make dua Allah, we make dua to Allah for afiyah, for protection. But just for one moment, think about how you would cope, how you would deal with the loss of your loved one, your partner in life, the love of your life, the mother of your children. How you would deal with that? How would you cope with that? And how difficult that would be. Secondly, then re- when realizing the sacrifices and the pain of the Prophet ﷺ, let us be a little bit more grateful towards the Prophet ﷺ. The next time we say his name, say his name with a little more reverence and regard. With a little more pain in your voice. With some extra salawat upon the Prophet ﷺ. To respect the man. And appreciate what he did, how he sacrificed, what he went through in the course of this preaching and teaching of this deen and this religion. Thirdly and finally, and we're going to talk more on this, we're going to talk about this more, we're going to build on this. But right here, at some level, then begin to think about the fact that even though the Prophet ﷺ went through such a painful, tragic, traumatic experience, his preaching and teaching of the message of Islam did not slow down even a bit. He didn't take a single day off. He didn't take a moment's break. You know, I realize this is Muhammad Rasulullah who we're talking about. We can't even compare. But he's still our role model, Uswatun Hasana. He is a role model for us. And it's very rare, sometimes you come across people in life that truly remind you of the resilience and the dedication, devotion of the Prophet ﷺ.
I had the opportunity to meet some people like that in my life. And it just, it floored me meeting such people. One of our teachers, he's a ustad of hadith, he's a sheikh of hadith. He taught us Sahih Muslim. Sheikh Abdullah, Mawlana Abdullah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve and protect him. He, when he was teaching us hadith, during that time, he was teaching us Sahih Muslim. During that year, during that time, he had a son, he had a boy, a child, who, if I remember correctly, was maybe about four or five years old. And he became very, very sick and very ill, the child. Until the child actually passed away. And you can imagine the pain of losing a child, which also the Prophet ﷺ did. He had seven children in his lifetime. We'll talk more about this as we go further in the seerah. But just real quickly, the Prophet ﷺ had seven children in his lifetime. Six of them passed away during his lifetime. Can you imagine the pain of losing six children? Out of those six children, three of them passed away as babies, as children. Kids that you could still lift in your hands. You ever carried the janazah, the shrouded body of a child? It's something you don't recover from. It's something that changes your life. I remember one time I attended a janazah. I was with my father. I was, I was older, I was probably about 19, 20 years old. I was studying actually overseas during that time. And uh, we attended the janazah of a child that had passed away. A child who had become very sick, very ill, and he passed away. And they were performing the janazah, and there weren't many people at the janazah. The father who was there at the janazah prayer, the man was just literally destroyed. He could barely stand. They had to hold him up. He was crushed, he was devastated. Standing there in front of the shrouded body of his child. And when it was time to lift, to go to the, the graveyard from the janazah prayer, for the tatfin, for the burial, they needed somebody to lift and carry the janazah. And unlike, you know, the janazah of a person, you have a casket or something, and a bunch of people carry this as a child. You just have to scoop them up in your arms. I remember at that time, my father as well is very soft-hearted, so he doesn't really do too well in those situations either. But I remember my father told me, go. He said, I can't do it, but go. Lift the child. I remember, subhanAllah, I guess being young and being a little naive was maybe the only thing that gave me enough foolish courage to think I was capable of that. I remember lifting up the body of that child. I remember that day I felt like my life changed. Because it was the most unreal experience I ever had. From the masjid to the graveyard wasn't even very far. But to carry that body of the child, and the father was walking next to me, but he was shaking and trembling. They had to literally carry him. And so the Prophet of Allah six of his children passed away during his lifetime. But I was talking about this teacher of ours, who it's the closest thing I saw to that dedication, that devotion, the steadfastness, the resilience of the Prophet That we went to the janazah of our teacher's child, and then we went to the graveyard to bury the child. And later that evening, we had a dars, a lesson of hadith with our, with our teacher that was every day, it was regularly scheduled. And at the graveyard, I remember I was standing with him with a few of the other students standing close to him. 
And he told us, he said, make sure that you're there in class today. I will be there today. Because he said that those are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I at least have to come and sit in front of the book of the hadith, a book of hadith. I have to at least come and sit, present myself at the dars to show respect to the kalam of Rasulullah sallallahu Because if my pain is so profound that I feel that I'm not able to deal with this, I need some time off. Rasulullah sallallahu went through what I just went through six times. And he never took a break from taking care of the ummah. I have to at least present myself before the words of Rasulullah sallallahu Before the sunnah, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu to just say, I- I'm trying to live up to your character. I don't just read your words, I don't just say your name, I don't just give lectures about you, but I tried my best to live up to your standard. And I still remember that day. We sat in class, and the Shaykh arrived, and he walked in, and he sat down, and he opened the book of the Hadith, Sahih Muslim, he opened the book, and normally what would happen is, and he would tell one of us, he would call on one of us to read, Read the hadith. And we would read the hadith, the text, the matan of the hadith, and then he would give us the sharh, the explanation of it. And remember, he sat down, opened the book of hadith, and even before being able to be able to pull up the, 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 just the, the ability to be able to tell a student to read the hadith, he just broke down and started crying. And he sat there and he cried for at least 10 to 15 minutes. And it was such a powerful experience. I remember pretty much all the students in the classroom were brought to tears. Just looking at him, sitting there crying. And after just sitting there, when he finally was able to kind of, you know, collect himself, he closed the book of hadith, and he excused himself. He said, I'm very sorry, I, I don't think I can teach, but I had to at least try. To show some respect to the Prophet ﷺ. Because he buried his wife Khadija radiallahu anha. He buried six of his children. But the next day he was still out there looking after people. Ya ayyuhannas, qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. He still worried about people. He still made dua for people. He still cried for people. He still preached to people. He still taught people. So I had to at least try. And so this is the Prophet ﷺ. This is who Muhammad ﷺ is. So let's try to take that into account inshallah today. And think on that and reflect on that over the next few days. And inshallah in the next session on the seerah we'll talk about how when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Prophet the ultimate role model, Uswatun Hasana, he really truly did. That in the next in the following session we'll talk about how this was shortly, immediately followed by the passing and the death of his beloved uncle Abu Talib and we'll talk about that in the following session, next week's session inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of everything we've said and heard. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice everything we've said and heard. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the true understanding of the, 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 the status of the Prophet and how he lived his life and what he stood for and what he sacrificed. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the true respect and understanding of the Prophet 
Subhanallahi wa bihamdihi subhanakallahu wa bihamdik nashhadu la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallaita ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidum Majid Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidum Majid